0: Yes, we are back. We'll roll this out. Uh, The number is simple. It is 1-855-821-5900. And Lior at employmenthour.com is email. That's Lior, L-I-O-R. Very simple to get a hold of there. Uh, We always start, uh, brother, with the week that was. Some interesting cases that came across your desk or you've been working on that could uh,
1: strike a note with some of our listeners. That's right, John. Exactly right. And happy to be back here and answering questions about employment law, informing people about their uh, uh, workplace rights. Just a a quick note, John, that uh, as you know, last week we started doing our show also on Wednesday nights. Huge. So you can always catch the employment uh, hour Wednesdays at 7 p.m. right here. So uh, happy to be doing that as well. Uh, now, week there was, John, talking about a couple of situations that I saw this week, things that I think our listeners are going to be interested in. Uh, the first situation, uh, I was contacted by a gentleman that had worked for a small courier company for <laughs> about eight years. Now, these courier companies are always fairly common in, in, in big metropolitan uh, cities. Uh, there's a lot of these, these smaller companies that that provide services for the businesses in the downtown area. And this uh, gentleman had worked for one of these companies for uh, for over eight years. Uh, he had been ha- having a fairly steady uh, steady route or, or uh, area that he was responsible for. He had pretty good income, made over sixty thousand dollars a year, and uh, worked you know a lo- you know a lot of hours. This was his only job, but of course he was considered by the company as an independent contractor. Of course he was, and they recently uh, decided that they're gonna. It cut his route by 20%, effectively reducing his pay by 20%. And there, and he called me saying, well, what can I do about it? So the first thing I needed to determine is whether he is an employee or an independent contractor. Right. The fact that he's referred to as an independent contractor and the company calls him that doesn't mean that he is. Now, because he worked exclusively for this company, he got all his income from this company, he didn't provide any real tools other than the car that, that he drove. Uh, he had uh, fixed hours, uh, he, he got paid fairly consistently. He is an employee in the eyes of the law. He's not an independent contractor. Now, once we've established that, once we've established that he's an, uh, an employee, not an independent contractor, the question became, well, can they reduce his pay by 20%? And as you know, John, the answer to that is a resounding no. They cannot do that because by doing that, that's a constructive dismissal. So he has the ability now to resign, leave employment, and still require this company to pay him full severance as if he is an employee, which he is. Mm-hmm. And for him, that's probably going to be around 9, 10 months pay. Uh, he's 50 years old. He's worked there for eight years. So that that was good news for him because he had no interest in, in staying there and taking a 20% pay cut. Uh, and it's only because we were able to establish that he is, in fact, an employee, So the lesson, of course, we've said this before, we'll say it again, that it doesn't matter what you call yourself or what someone else calls you. The reality on the ground is what matters. If you work for one company exclusively for them, you do a a regular consistent job, get paid consistently, the law is going to consider you to be an employee. And with that comes all the rights of an employee. So don't be intimidated. If something happens in the workplace or your position is terminated, but you think, well, technically I'm an independent contractor, so I don't get anything... In most cases, that's not going to be the situation.
0: Was that company uh, withdrawing tax from his pay if they considered him an independent contractor? No, they were not. So
1: they were not withdrawing tax. He was paying his own taxes. They were simply paying him a fixed amount every every month. And uh, because of that, they thought he's an independent contractor. As I said, he is not. Now, if he worked for several companies, if he had the ability to make up his own hours and days of work, et cetera, that would be different. But that wasn't Mm -hmm. the case. He's an employee. What else you got? The second situation, one that one of my colleagues, Lumi, resolved this week, uh, it's been going on for a few months, we have referred to it internally as the chicken wing case. Uh, what happened in this situation- Sounds our, good already. Already, yeah, you're <laughs> hungry, I know yeah. that. Uh, our, our client here uh, had worked at a, in housekeeping, she managed housekeeping at a, in a major hotel uh, for a long time, over 30 years. Wow. Okay. And uh, th- there was a, a an, an event that the uh, hotel had. There was uh, an event with a lot of people, et cetera. A lot of uh, food was served. And the allegation was that as part of this event, she snuck into the kitchen and stole a few chicken wings. All right? Okay. Now, the interesting part is there was no evidence that she took anything. She completely denied ever taking chicken wings from the kitchen. The only evidence was that someone said they saw a black woman going to the kitchen and take uh, chicken wings. Not that they saw her. She's a black woman. That that they saw a, a, a black woman going to the kitchen taking chicken wings. Well, guess what? There are a lot of black women that were in, in that event. Uh, and, and some eat
0: chicken wings. We
1: all like uh, it. And <laughs> chicken wings are a very popular dish. Uh, And this company was not able to establish, not even remotely so, that she did anything wrong. Now, they were fairly uh, steadfast against resolving the matter. We pushed them hard and we were able to resolve this on excellent terms because let's face it, they made a mistake. They screwed up. They Not only did they let her go without cause when they didn't have any proof, they effectively relied on on some sort of a generalization that seemed to suggest, well, you know, if there's a black woman in the kitchen, she's a black woman, therefore that's good enough. That could be considered as racist. Big uh, time. There could be a human rights violation. So this company made a big mistake when the short answer was, no, you don't let someone go and Frankly, even if she had taken a couple of chicken wings from the kitchen after 30 years, I'm sorry. Again, it's still not enough. That's definitely. not cause. So this poor lady who de- dedicated all this time, her uh, you know, good part of her adult life working for this hotel deserved far better. I was very happy we were able to resolve this on good terms, and this really this hotel should have known much better.
0: And she's probably walking away with what 24 months severance, right? A,
1: a significant yeah. amount of money yeah. for sure.
0: We'll take a short break. I want to get a hold. It is Leor at employmenthour.com. We'll read some emails today in one eight five five eight two one. The Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Leor at EmploymentHour.com and 1-855-821-5900. 821 is the number to get a hold of Leor Anytime, uh, we're going to talk uh, part of this segment or at least this hour anyway about employees off work because of disability. Very common issue in your practice. Describe some typical scenarios.
1: Yeah, th- there's a couple of very typical scenarios, John, and this does issue come up very often. And, and let's face it, if you're now sick or had an accident or you're unable to work, this is a, a, a very fragile time in your life. You know you're, you're you're not functioning properly. You're on medication. Maybe you have to go through medical procedures, and you you are know, not going to get income maybe from your employer. You have an insurance company you have to deal with. So there's a lot of issues there. And one of the things that we do obviously uh, quite a lot of is work and help people uh, that that have been uh, disabled and are unable to work. I personally deal with their employer uh, employment problems. My partner, Sivan Tumarkin, mm-hmm. who hosts the Insurance and Injury Law Show, deals with any disputes they may have with their, their insurance companies. Now, a couple of very common scenarios that I see. Number one is a situation where uh, the employee is unable to work and, and needs a leave of absence from work so they can get better. Right. And the employer refuses to allow them to, to take that time off or imposes all kinds of obstacles in the way, preventing them or trying to prevent them from going, such as uh, going seeing another doctor or uh, making threats that if you leave for more than a period of time, you're gonna be resigning, uh, and all of that is illegal, and we'll talk about that. So that's one common scenario. The other common scenario is someone is off, often on disability leave, maybe has been on disability leave for a while, they wanna come back to work, and their employer either is telling them you cannot come back to work, or you, you can come back to work, but to a very different job uh, than the one you had previously. So those are some common scenarios. Of course, the, the types of cases that Sivan, my partner, deals with is a situation where someone may apply for disability right. uh, coverage, and the insurance company says, well, we don't think you're disabled enough to qualify. And obviously, we deal with that quite often.
0: So that leads to my next question. When can an employee go off work as a result of a disability?
1: Yeah, and generally, the answer to that is quite simple. You can go off work as long as you have a doctor, a doctor that has seen you and treated you, say that you are unable to work. That is all that's required to be able to get time off work because of a medical condition, whether it's a disability, whether it's another illness or sickness, whether it's a serious or not, you need to have a doctor saying that. So it's not enough for you to decide you cannot work. You have to have a doctor uh, say that and you have to provide that information to your employer. You would have to get a doctor's note, a doctor's letter. Uh, and and that triggers the obligation. Once you provide that to the employer, once there's clear uh, information from your doctor saying, my patient, Mr. X, cannot work, the employer cannot do anything about that, they have to provide you with that time off.
0: But they don't have to provide the reason.
1: Right. So you don't have to tell your employer why, what the medical condition is. There's privacy issues there. Mm -hmm. So whether you have a bad back or a cancer, uh, that's not something that your employer is allowed to know. I mean, you can choose to tell them, perhaps that's your decision, but all the employer is allowed to know is what the prognosis is, not what the diagnosis is.
0: Right. So how long can an employee be off work? Is there a limit?
1: No, there's actually no limit. An employee can be off work until a doctor says they can come back to work. Now- for some people, that could be a day. Other people, it could be a few years. Uh, it really does depend on what their medical condition is uh, and what the doctor is saying. Now, uh, the important thing is that the employee keep their employer up to date. Okay. So it's not a good idea to say, well, I gave you a note three years ago saying I can't work, and uh, you should have assumed that nothing has changed. no. It's, it's uh, the responsible thing to do to keep your employer up to date. If you're going to be uh, away for a lengthy period of time, maybe every couple of months or so, to let them know where things stand, maybe give them an updated n- note from a doctor saying what's on your plate. Are you going through additional testing? Are you going to be undergoing a treatment? It, what the prognosis is for return to mm-hmm. work? So you have to keep your employer updated, but you cannot uh, be told that you are only able to be off work for a week, a month, or a year. There's no real time limit.
0: The number is 1 855 821 5900 or employmenthour at employmenthour.com. Can the employer, uh, are they allowed to ask for medical information from the employee while they're off?
1: Yeah, and, and then empl- the employer can, and a good and a smart employer will ask for medical information. Uh, but usually that's information that's required, number one, to verify that there's really a medical condition, but also information that would inform the employer as to their obligation to accommodate. So, for example, the employer may want to ask uh, for medical information pertaining to whether or not the employee is going to be able to stand when they come mm-hmm. back to work or, or, or carry more than five pounds to understand what the person's limitations are. So, no, the employer cannot ask, tell me, doctor, what the medical condition is. But, yes, to, to tell me, doctor, how long you expect him to be off, uh, what are the likelihood of him being able to do this job. So, the employer can and should ask for medical information. I'm
0: sure you've seen this come across your desk before, and that is, can an employee be penalized or terminated because they're off on a disability?
1: That's the easiest question to answer. The answer to that, John, is absolutely not. By penalizing an employee, first of all, you're penalizing an employee for something he or she cannot help. So if I'm sick and I cannot work, what are you penalizing me for? What what behavior are you trying to improve? You're trying to make sure that I don't get sick again? I don't control that, right? (laughs) Number one. Number two, if you penalize me because of a medical condition, that could be a human rights issue. If I have a disability that prevents me from work, and because of that, I'm either not accommodated or worse, I'm penalized, you've just violated the human rights code. You've just made your actions illegal, so that's a very bad idea.
0: Take a short break. 1855 821 5900 is the number to call Lior anytime outside of show hours. Leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com's email. We'll get to a couple of those uh, when we come back from a short break right here in the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. We are talking about employment law. We are talking about uh, employees being off on disability. Uh, question, what happens if they do get uh, fired while they're off on disability? What happens to both the employer and the employee?
1: That's right. And first of all... the, the the simple answer is if an employee is let go while they're on a disability leave, that employee is entitled to full compensation, full severance. Now, some employers may say, and I've heard them say that, is, wait a second, we let you go when you were unable to work. So why should we pay you severance? Because you can't work anyway. Totally. Nonsense. The, our, our courts, including our Supreme Court of Canada, has uh, spoken on that issue, and they said, no, the fact that you let someone go uh, while they're on disability does not relieve you from the obligation to pay severance. You're going to calculate severance as if the person was able to work. So number one, you get severance if you're let go while, uh, on a disability. But you actually may get enhanced severance because of the fact that you cannot work or that you're not uh, well, you're not in optimal mm-hmm. health. It may take you longer to find another job. And if it takes you longer to find another job uh, because of that, you should get more severance. And our courts have made that very clear. Finally, John, if you're let go while you're on a disability leave, that could be a human rights issue. Certainly, You'd have to show that the reason you were let go had something to do with your disability that maybe if you were not off on a disability, you'd still be working. So you can't do that if the whole department shut down and everyone else was let go. But if you're the only one that's been let go because and you're on a disability, then there could be a human rights issue. So for employers, it's not a good idea to terminate someone while they're on disability unless you have no choice because you could be faced with a human rights complaint and you may have to pay additional enhanced severance.
0: How about I can go back to work, but I have restrictions? Those are laid out, say, by my doctor. Then what happens? Well,
1: First of all, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Any restrictions that someone has when they come back from a disability leave have to be outlined by a doctor. It's not enough for you to say, well, my back hurts when I stand, so I want to be able to sit. If you need a job that requires you to sit or that would allow you to sit, that has to come from a doctor. So any limitations are not going to trigger any obligation on the employer's part to do anything unless they come from a doctor and unless they're very clear. But once you provide your employer with that information from a doctor that says, here's what I need, here's what this person needs, the employer has a very strict duty to accommodate. The employer has to make the changes necessary to the workplace. Maybe that means helping you with another job or, or finding someone to help you do your job, uh, changing your hours of work, uh, maybe even changing your work location to, to accommodate you, uh, to make sure that you can do your job within your restrictions. There's no time limit un- as to how long they uh, have to accommodate you for. Uh, and that's a very, very strict duty. It's, it's only in extreme situations that an employer can say, no, this is too much. We don't have to go that far to accommodate you. In most cases, the employer absolutely has to accommodate you. What if it doesn't
0: get that far? What if they just outright refuse?
1: Well, that is right there, a violation of the Human Rights Code. Under the Human Rights Code here in Ontario, an employer has a very strict duty to provide accommodation up to what we call the point of undue hardship, up to the point that it becomes unbearable, so difficult to, to accommodate. So if they refuse... That's a human rights violation. That could also be considered a constructive dismissal. Mm -hmm. So now the employer that's refused to accommodate owes the employee severance and potentially owes damages for violation of the Human Rights Code. A bad idea. What
0: if it does rise to uh, the level of undue hardship? Then what happens?
1: Well, if it rises to that level, the employer does not have to accommodate. So let's use an extreme example. If the accommodation that I need is to uh, not work uh, during the day and only work at night, but my employer doesn't operate at night, so clearly for him to somehow allow me to work at night would be way too difficult, too unreasonable uh, then they don't have to provide that accommodation. In that situation, uh, the employee continues to be on a leave of absence un- until he no longer has those restrictions or until the employer is able to accommodate them. At that point, it's not a termination, it's not a human rights violation. The employee st- simply can continue on a leave of absence until something changes.
0: So that, that, that fictitious uh, scenario, that business you just just laid out, that may never happen. So this person could potentially be on, on, on leave forever? If that Can't they just cut ties and say, here's your severance, you've been here for 15 years?
1: If that restriction, using my example, that I can only work nights right. is going to be permanent, I'll never be able to work during the day because of uh, medical conditions, and the employer can never accommodate that, then we may be at the point of what we call frustration okay. of contract. The employer can say, listen, we're never going to be able to work with you, not your fault, not our fault. Uh, simply a medical condition that intervened, the employer can sever ties, and not have to pay the person their full severance, only a small portion of their okay. severance, but that can only happen in very extreme cases.
0: One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900 at We'll get to an email from Jordan. And now Port Credit says, my wife and I work at the same place. I was let go for cause because of something that my wife did that had nothing to do with me. Is this even legal?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I mean, I I certainly would like to have more information as to Mm -hmm. what the wife did. But that said, if the person didn't uh, uh, do the the conduct, if it's the wife, well, then, you know, you cannot throw the the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. It would have to be conduct on the husband's part to justify termination for cause. If he didn't do anything wrong, irrespective of the fact that his wife may have, that would not be cause. So if he was let go without severance that would be a wrongful dismissal.
0: Get to another email very shortly. We'll do one more point here before we take a break on employees on disability. What happens to an employee's seniority while on disability? I'm thinking about this just because if they're off for two, three, five years, right? Then are they earning dis- uh, seniority?
1: Yeah, and the answer to that is absolutely yes. So the time mm-hmm. that you spend while on a disability leave when you're not working, counts towards your seniority.
0: If seniority counts in your workplace.
1: Well, it it would (laughs) always count towards your severance, at least. So if I went on a disability leave three years ago, and at that time I had worked for two years, well, today I now have five-year seniority. So that's important because if and when my employer wants to let me go, they're going to have to account for my time on a disability leave. So remember, you do accrue seniority while you're not working on a disability
0: leave. Leor at employmenthour.com and 1 855 821 5900. More of the Employment Hour coming up right here on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. When the show is over, the phone number is easy 1 821 5900 to get a hold of Leor or Leor at employmenthour.com. We'll get a couple more emails here in just a little bit. We were talking about, and we'll wrap up uh, employees on disability. Now, for uh, f- For any employees listening, what can you tell them about the best way, the best way to deal with situations where uh, they have employees on disability?
1: So for employers that have employees on disability, the, the main advice, the best advice I can give is don't wash your hands off them. Don't assume, number one, that they're not coming back. Don't assume they are coming back. Don't assume anything you need to get some information from them as to what their, uh, what their plans are, what their status is, what their medical condition will allow them to do or won't allow them to do. So it's perfectly fine to request more information from their doctor as to their prognosis, as to timelines, as to limitations. Ask that information. It helps you plan. If you know that this person is likely to be able to come back to work in six months, you can plan for that. If you don't have a clue when they're going to come back, how do you plan for that? So get the information that you need. Uh, and, and certainly, if you're in a situation now where you have an employee that's been gone for a very long period of time, you can consider the, this idea of frustration of contract, mm-hmm. but you need to make sure that there's no prognosis of return to work. So even if you have someone that's off for two years, I would still write them and ask them, can you go to your doctor and ask your doctor to confirm if there's any likelihood of you coming back to work in the near future? If the answer to that is no or we don't know, then you may be able to consider this idea of frustration of contract, which would allow you to sever ties with the employee, but don 't let someone go because they 're on a disability leave and don 't make any assumptions about when they can or cannot return to work.
0: Have you come across situations where companies with say uh poor h r have have you know kind of uh, let the ball drop and they 've gone by the wayside? Well, you had the one employee that was gone for like thirty years or something yeah they I, I, that, right? I
1: love telling the story that uh, you know uh, a big health club uh, that i that I represent and They had an employee that, uh, after working for about a year and a half, went on a disability leave, and that was 30 years ago. (laughs) And they completely forgot about her. And uh, they they realized that for 30 years, by the way, she was still on their benefits plan. And they realized, uh, wait a second, we have this person on the benefits plan. That must be just an accident. So they cut her off benefits. And she comes back and says, well, wait a second. You've cut me off benefits. You've constructively dismissed me. I'm now a 31-year employee. Uh, so don't forget. That's a, that's a good point then. Don't forget about an employee on a disability leave. Don't assume that just someone, that because someone has been off for a long time, number one, that they're not your employee, and number two, you don't have any responsibility for them. Unless you formally ended the relationship, if someone's on a disability leave for 10 years, they're still your employee for that period of time, which means there's that liability there.
0: The bigger shocker is the fact that a health club around for 30 years. What is that all about? Yeah.
1: No, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the name, but <laughs> wow. it's quite a well-known club. That's uh, impressive. And, yeah, 30 for, years.
0: For a health club. We're talking about uh, severance in the construction industry as well. We get phone calls about this every week from guys who are let go on the site, and uh, they walk away, think they don't get anything. So when it comes to severance, are there, are there different rules that apply to employees working in the construction industry?
1: And it's a great question. In fact, just that before I came to the studio uh, earlier today, I spoke with uh, someone who uh, was let go after 18 years working as a superintendent uh, for a construction company, and the company gave him two weeks' pay, and they said, "We don't really have to pay you anything." We're, you're super- We're being nice. We're being nice. Here's two weeks. You're a good guy. Have a good life. Well, let's let's kind of take a step back and, and and talk about what these people in the construction industry are entitled to. And the short answer is that they're entitled to exactly the same severance as anyone else. So let's be very clear here, okay? So there's no misunderstanding. If you're an employee and working for uh, in, a constr- in the construction industry or if you're a construction employer, the employee has the exact same entitlements as anyone else. So we're still going to look at their age, position, and length of employment to determine how much severance they get. You're not allowed to say you don't get severance. That's illegal. That would be a wrongful dismissal. And these things, John, happen every day. Employees are let go because uh, the employer thinks they don't get anything. The employers think they don't have to pay anything. All that is wrong, wrong, wrong. You get the same amount of severance.
0: It doesn't matter if it's Ellis Don or Jim's Paving Company. It doesn't matter the size.
1: It does not matter the size. It does not matter anything other than your age, position, and length of employment. So if if you're... uh, 40 years old, work for 10 years in a supervisor position, whether you work for a construction company or for a bank, you're going to get the exact same severance.
0: What about temporary layoffs? Because there are, you know, are there different rules in the construction industry? Because you see temporary layoffs maybe because it's seasonal, happen all the time.
1: Right. So the general rule with the temporary layoff is that a temporary layoff is a termination in most cases. So if you've been laid off temporarily, you have the ability to treat that as a termination because there's no right for the employer to just decide not to have you working for a period of time. That may be different in the construction industry simply because at some of the uh, those jobs are by their very nature seasonal. Like roofers. Like or whatever. roofers, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you know you're not going to be able to do the job during the winter months, for example. So if you're working for a job that's inherently seasonal then yes, absolutely, the employer can lay you off for the the time when there's no work. But if you're working for a a business that's not seasonal, and then if you've been working there for years, and all of a sudden now the employer says, now I want to lay you off temporarily, That would be a termination, and you don't have to accept that layoff. You can treat the layoff as a termination and require the company to pay you your full severance right there and then.
0: We'll get back to an email as soon as we uh, come back from a short break. 1-855-821-5900. And Lior at employmenthour.com. Lots more of the Employment Hour coming up. On Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900, CHML. one 821 5900 to get a hold of Leor when the show is over. And Leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. Very simple. I said we'll get to an email when we come back, so we'll pick through one here. Got uh, Matthew in Toronto says, I was let go last week and offered a severance package. My employers say that until I accept, he won't pay me commissions owing me to uh, the deals that I closed or for the deals that I closed. I don't want to accept the severance offer, but I can't afford to live if I don't get these commissions. What do I do?
1: Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult situation, and, and it's also very illegal to threaten not to pay the employee money that you owe them unless they sign a severance package. And, and it's also kind of dumb, simply because if you're the employee and you end up signing because of this illegal pressure, you could probably get around the document that you signed because your employer was threatening you with something illegal. So that employer is not very wise and shouldn't be doing that. My best advice uh, for Matthew is to give me a call because I may be able to send a letter to this company and get them to to understand what their legal obligations are and, and to make sure that they pay you, first of all, what they owe you. And then we can talk about what your proper severance is. And by the way, if your severance is fair, then you may as well accept it. But I want to be able to assess whether it's fair and then make sure that they pay you what they owe you before we we, we deal with that. No, an employer cannot hold the ransom money that the employer owes you uh, until you sign a severance package. Illegal.
0: And we both know chances are the package they offer is not going to be adequate. Anyway. You know, if
1: this is the type right. of an employee that would engage in that kind of behavior, what are the chances of them actually offering good severance? I, I'd it. say slim to none.
0: We're talking about construction industry and being laid off or being uh, let go without severance, with severance. Most employees in the construction industry, a lot of them anyway, just kind of walk away thinking they don't get anything because that's what they've heard from friends or family. So how common is it to see uh, employees working in the construction industry, losing their job and not getting severance? Say, well, say out of 10 10 cases that come across your desk.
1: You know, John, I, I have several cases every no. single day. And that's just me. I'm one lawyer. I have 15 lawyers in my office. We all have several cases every single day with people being let go, and, and as part of this misconception about the construction industry not being provided with any compensation, any severance, and, and, you know, it can be confusing, and the reason why there's this confusion out there with respect to construction employees is that construction employees don't have the same protections under the Employment Standards Act, so they don't have the same minimum protections as non-construction employees would, but as relates to severance, that ultimately does not matter because you have the exact same rights and protections and entitlements as relates to severance as anyone else under what we call our common law system. Therefore, uh, it's common. There's a lot of misconception. If so you know, we, we always talk about the Ministry of Labor, John, they, them providing incorrect information. Big time. So if, you call the, if you're a construction employee, you were let go, and you call the Ministry of Labor and say, how much severance should I get? The Ministry of Labor is going to say nothing, nada, nil. You get no severance, sorry, because you're in the construction industry. And they say that because you don't have the same minimum entitlements. And remember, the Ministry of Labor can only advise you with respect to your minimum entitlements, not your full entitlements. But the real answer for this uh, hypothetical c- uh, scenario that I've just described is that this person does get severance, it gets significant severance. So it's very common, and I want our readers, employers and employees alike, to understand that if you're working, you're in the construction industry, your job is lost for whatever reason, you get severance.
0: 1-855-821-5900, Lior at employmenthour.com for email. want to switch gears to a ways in which employers may lose the ability to rely on contracts of employment. You know how important these are. Both drafting and understanding them as well. First, tell us, uh, you know, why should employers and employees be very careful when it comes to contracts of employment?
1: Yeah, and you know, we talk about contracts often, and you know, a contract of employment is an extremely important document. It sets out the rules of the game when you when you have a job, uh, and for an employer, probably protecting yourself with an employment agreement is the best thing that you can do. Generally, though, John, the employment agreement or a contract of employment, the same thing are beneficial to the employer. It's rare that an employment agreement is actually going to be beneficial to the employee. Usually the contract of employment or the employment agreement is there to provide the rights to the employer that the employer would not otherwise have. One of those rights potentially, is the ability to terminate employment and pay very little severance. So we talk all the time about age, position, length of employment, and how much severance someone should get. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? An employer can agree in the employment agreement to pay less than that. And, and oftentimes an employee is not going to understand that that's what's happening, and they may accept uh, re, uh, an employment agreement, which would hurt them down the road and cost them tens of thousands of dollars Uh, Because they didn't realize that they prematurely or or preemptively agreed to accept less severance. Now, all that said, there are many ways or at least a number of ways where an an employment agreement that does try to limit severance is not going to be enforceable. Our courts have established some very strict rules that have to be complied with in order for an employment agreement that limits severance to be enforceable. And unless it meets all that criteria, unless it does all those things, it's not going to be enforceable and the employee would still be entitled to full severance. Unfortunately for many employers, they don't have properly drafted employment agreements. So the the message here, the important message is if you signed an employment agreement and your employer is saying, aha employee, you signed an agreement five years ago when you started. Now we don't have to pay your full severance because of that agreement. You actually may be able to get out of that agreement, around that agreement. You need to give me a call. We can talk about it and look at it. In many cases, probably 80% of cases, we can get around that agreement.
0: We're going to talk in a minute about things that uh, can make it unenforceable, but the actual agreement itself, you've often said, uh, you know, when the mic is off, that it's um, it's often good to have a smaller document than a bigger one. Most people won't think so. You explain why when we come back. For the employee,
1: right? absolutely. You
0: bet. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. 855 821 5900, leor at employmenthour.com or the employment hour. Coming right up on AM 640 and AM 900 CHML. Get down to our last few minutes here. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 5900 And Lior at employmenthour.com. We were talking before we uh, took a break about uh, employment contracts, the enforceability of such. Now, yeah, I did mention just before you outline uh, why it's beneficial. You wouldn't think so as an employee to receive a, say, a one-pager or a short contract versus a very detailed multi-page contract.
1: Right. And, and it always... And it- it's always better. And it goes back to my earlier point that an employment agreement generally benefits the employer. An employment agreement often, and usually, almost always, provides or has terms in it that either limit the employee's rights or take those rights and gives them to the employer, and which is fine if that's what you agree to. And the reason why a, a short agreement is better to the employee than a longer agreement is because if you have a one-page agreement, there's just not going to be a lot of bad stuff that the employer can fit into a one-page. So don't be concerned about the one-page agreement. Be concerned about the 12-page agreement Mm -hmm. with a lot of legalese, because I can promise you in that 12-page agreement, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not going to be beneficial to the employee.
0: So uh, things that make the contract possibly unenforceable, go through those.
1: So very quickly, John, uh, number one is, is the agreement actually signed? If it's not signed, it's not going to be enforceable. But beyond that- What if the agreement is actually signed after the employee started working? So the first day on the job was May 19th, I signed the agreement on May the 20th. Guess what? If I signed the agreement after I started working or at some point during the course of my employment, arguably that that employment agreement is not enforceable because I haven't received anything in return for signing it, I already had the job. So very, I always look at the date if I have an agreement I'm trying to get around. So that's another way. Another way to potentially get around the agreement is if the termination provision itself is drafted properly. If, does it violate the Employment Standards Act? Does it provide for the continuation of all components of compensation? There's a number of reasons uh, or a number of drafting mistakes that I see every single day that make it unenforceable. So if you have a lawyer reviewing an employment agreement and we're trying to get around it, you need to have someone that really understands why it could be unenforceable, because if your lawyer doesn't understand that, they're gonna say, well, there's an agreement, you can't do anything, and in most cases, you absolutely can do something about it. So remember, never ever assume that just because you believe you may be bound by an agreement, you actually are, you have to get some legal advice.
0: What if your employer you know, sent you an email detailing, here's, uh, here's your new job or here's the job it's going to be. It's going to be this such and such a salary, so on and so forth. The, uh, you know, the employment agreement is forthcoming and you still start working before I actually sign it. But there's email records of it coming your way.
1: Well, there's email records of it coming your right. way, but you didn't actually see it or sign it until after. Right. That would not be enforceable. Now, if you, if you're, if you get the employment agreement uh, a week before, you respond saying, yeah, that looks good, but you don't actually sign it until after arguably at that point it is enforceable mm-hmm. because you acknowledge that you received it and you acknowledge that it was fine. But if you actually don't, you get the employment agreement, you don't comment about it and you don't sign it till after you started working, which by the way happens all the time, yep. that arguably is not enforceable. And there's been plenty of court decisions supporting that conclusion. How
0: about change of job?
1: If, you, uh, if your job is changed Uh, and an employer wants you to sign a new agreement as a result, the timing is important. So if I gave someone a promotion Mm -hmm. effective January 1 and they didn't sign a new contract until January the 10th, again, that agreement is not enforceable because the promotion had already happened. So uh, again, for a contract to be enforceable, the timing when it was signed is key.
0: Do they have to give you something if they give you a new contract?
1: Well, generally speaking, yes. In order for a contract to be enforceable, if you're already working, you have to get something in return. So, the example that I just gave, a promotion. John, I'm going to promote you effective January 1 if you sign this employment agreement. That makes it enforceable. Or I'm going to give you a signing bonus, or I'm going to give you a pay raise, or extra vacation, or whatever it is, anything of value that you wouldn't otherwise have. If you're just told to sign an agreement, uh, and you just do sign that agreement, Arguably, that agreement is not enforceable because you didn't get anything in return.
0: Let me get to one more email before we get into uh, severance pay calculator. Stephen Toronto says, I was given notice of termination in February. Since then, my employer has extended the notice twice. Now, right now, my last day of work is at the end of this
1: month. Do I get severance? And, you know, interesting question. An employer, as you know, John, is allowed to give notice instead of paying severance. So if the employee is entitled to six months, the employer can say, employee, I am giving you six months' notice. But what happens if the employer does give six months' notice and then they say, well, I'm going to extend that by another month or two, and at the end of that period of time they extend it again? Well, arguably at that point, none of that notice counts because that employee is no longer certain when their job is going to end. So, if an employer keeps extending notice, arguably that whole notice is ineffective. And when the employee is finally let go, that employee is entitled to severance as if they had not received notice to begin with. Wow. All
0: right, wrap it up with Severance Pay Calculator. Give me some details.
1: John, you know, Severance Pay Calculator is, is running strong, it's being used all the time. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people have used it. As the name suggests, the Severance Pay Calculator calculates, tells you how much severance you're owed if you lost your job. So, what do you do? You go to severancepaycalculator.com. Very easy address to remember severancepaycalculator.com. You input your age, position, and length of employment, and it's going to tell you right there and then how many weeks or months pay you are owed. It's awesome. It's very simple. It works. It's the only way short of speaking to me, which I'm happy to speak to anyone. But if you don't want to do that, or if you just want to know at midnight, I'm not going to pick up the phone at midnight. You go to severancepaycalculator.com. You find out, and at least now you know. And the
0: and the numbers, even though they might look shocking, are dead accurate.
1: They're accurate. Yeah. So tell anyone you know if anyone's lost their job, your friend, your neighbors. First place they should go to is severancepaycalculator.com.
0: We'll do it for another week, my friend. This has been the Employment Hour. You'll want to get a hold of Leor outside of show hours like now, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred, And email anytime, Leor L-I-O-R, at employmenthour.com. This has been the Employment Hour on Talk Radio AM 640 and AM 900 CHML.